ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. And that's right, everybody. Welcome back once again to another edition of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer, joined by my co-host, Daniel Bobo Carlin. And Dan, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good. Still ongoing with that fucking outage from fucking Spectrum. The, the, whoever, the, the, the CEO said that whoever it is that isn't, that isn't doing a good job reaching this negotiation... They, until they fix this deal, they can bite my shiny metal ass. As <laughs> Rodriguez would say, because it, 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 I, my my grandmother she, she she watches a lot of she 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 likes watching baseball, right? Even though she's a Met fan, she'll watch whatever game she likes to find on, right? I remember she she was trying to she could not find the Sunday night game, and I had to tell her. That yeah, fortunately, the this whole deal, it was stuff I haven't explained to her why she couldn't find that Sunday night game. It was between I think it was between the Astros and the Yankees, and it was black. It was black. I had to that, trying to tell her that it was blacked out. That the cable company is not letting her watch it. Was it was kind of sad. Yeah, it's ridiculous, man. You know, me and you were talking about this before we came on air, and it's just a shame that the. The people that these companies claim to care about and claim to service their areas and everything, they could care less what these people, you know, were looking forward to watching and, and get, you know, I mean, just a simple thing like your grandma just wanted to watch Sunday night baseball, but because these, these billion dollar companies are in a pissing contest right now, she can't watch something as simple as Sunday night baseball. I mean, look, you see me decked out my jet skier. If I had spectrum, like we discussed right before we went on air, I wouldn't be able to watch the uh, Jets on uh, Monday Night Football, you know, against the Bills this coming up Monday, which I'm sure a lot of Jet fans are dealing with. I mean, you know, luckily you have the option of going to a bar or, or you know, maybe going to a friend's house or something like that. But for a lot of people, it's not that easy. Exactly, and I gotta give, give I'm giving Spectrum a warning. If this carries on to the hockey playoffs and the Rangers are in the playoffs. I will encourage everybody to pretty much Jocktober Spectrum and ESPN until a deal is reached. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, they deserve it. You know, it's a it's an absolute joke. And you just got to hope that uh, eventually, which they always do, you know, they, they sometimes drag the other side through the mud. They, uh, you know, there's uh, endless back and forth of words. Yep. You know, all, another thing it's affecting. Not only that, of course, it'll affect me. Of course, if, if it's stuff when the giant, if a Giants game is on a Monday night, it also affects anyone who wants to watch the first, the wild card round of the MLB playoffs. If it if this drags on long enough, also it drags on anybody who I'm not really into tennis, but I know plenty of people who do love tennis. They can't. Well, there are people that can't watch the U.S. Open because of this. It's also not That's only true. TV networks that are also run by that same company. And it affected it affected FX. I, I had to, and and the, the only reason I did this is because unfortunately I was shut out of access to it because of the spectrum outage. I had to pirate the last two episodes of, of the current, the season, I had, to pirate, I had to pirate the season finale of What We Do in the Shadows. Which, by the oh, way, shit. which by the way is a very hilarious show if you ever get to watch it. it it's, I've uh, heard it was good. I haven't actually seen it yet. Yeah, it's, it's about it's about a group of vampires that's been living for like years. It's done. It's a it's a comedy. It's done documentary style. It's a good show. The 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 Guillermo character is my favorite character in that show. By the way, very cool. Now, now Dan, let me ask you before we move on. When you 
are in the position where the only way you can watch something is that you have to pirate it, like you said. What is your method of pirating it? I can't, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not going to say this because I don't want to. I don't know <laughs> anyone who's been blocked out of watching the season finale of what we do in the shadows because of this. Okay, well, well, well let me ask you this. Is it a website that you go to or is it, you know, like a uh, something that you download? It was a web. It was a website. Okay. Okay. Good. We'll 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 leave it at that. We don't want uh, you know, copyright people coming after us. <laughs> so uh, we, you know, we'll leave it at that. But uh, okay, very cool. Yeah, and this this was only because I was blocked out of anything of of my of I was blocked out of my access to it because of a pissing contest between two companies. Yeah, two billion dollar companies, man. And the yeah. only people that are losing in this situation are guys like us that just have, you know, that are in a position, which a lot of people don't even have the option to, to change, is that you're stuck with Spectrum, whether you like it or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are some, I, yeah, exactly. The, the, only, the only other option, I, yeah, there are some places that maybe give you, a, give you a choice that, you know, like some areas might be wired for Verizon Bios. You could go with that. I wouldn't even go near DirecTV because... Who wants to lose signal when it's pour in pouring rain? <laughs> yeah, when, when I lived in California, I had direct TV, and I was not a fan. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you hated that when it was raining. Oh, yeah, or if it got cloudy. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, had, we actually tried that out for we actually tried that out for a year before my mom switched back to, 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 what, to what's down on the spectrum. But what happened was during that year or so, it was the worst when it rained, and then, of course, the snow, you had to, I think you had to, like, wipe the snow off the dish. At least when it snowed, you could wipe the snow off the dish. And I joke, they says, am I going to, are we going to have to put a blow dryer on, on hold the blow, to have some dryer off the dish, because I was able to, <laughs> I was able to somehow wipe the snow off of that to watch. I think it was, I think this was 2006, that one year. It was one year we had direct TV, about one year. And I was able to wipe the snow off the dish to, to, in order to save myself from being deprived of watching the Daytona 500 that year, but but I heard I actually heard direct since, since that one year I had to suffer with Directv. I heard that Directv has been dropping channels left and right, so it's 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 been an, it's been a gun to be a worse product. But yeah, yeah, some, it's true, man. Yeah, but some so. places some places you could get files, but not every area is wired for files. I heard a lot of places in the south you can't even buy BIOS isn't available in some places in the south. They're not like wired or something. So you're so pretty much the because so sort of like they gotta they gotta go through this. They go they go through spectrum. But but yeah, that 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 sucks how these companies are this pissing contest between Spectrum and uh and Disney Corp, which owns ESPN, ABC and I think they own and it, I think think FX is affected by this. You're you're locked out of the shows you like. Anything you like on those channels, you're locked out. You're locked out. Yeah, yeah, it's true, man. It's a, it's a very true. So, uh, you know, well, uh, we we started this episode in the weeds, and uh, you know, we we got a nice little rant out about the uh, spectrum. So, spectrum, just so you know, you're on the list. We're yep. we're watching you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Spectrum, here's a one finger salute for you, Spectrum. And Disney, a little sign language. And and Disney Corp until you reach an agreement to uh, give 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 me give me back my the channels and the and everything I watch on those channels. There you go. All right, a little flip of the bird, and uh, we'll uh, keep it moving here. As uh, Dan, you know, I'm I'm looking here to my left, and our uh, Metropolitans just grabbed a two nothing lead against the Nationals. Right now, so I guess um, that's as good a, a place to start as ever. We'll uh, get into a little bit of the football and do our picks a little bit later on. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, what we're gonna do is start with the Mets here. So get right here. All right. <clears throat> now the Mets over the weekend they took two out of three from the Seattle Mariners. They've been playing a little bit better baseball. They crushed the Nats yesterday. And um, you know, eleven to five, and then took 
the uh, you know they they took the early lead today, two nothing, in the uh, top of the fifth inning. But you know what what are your feelings on the Mets right now, Dan? Um, do you like are you beyond caring at this point, uh, or are are you like seeing a bit of these the, these young kids they've been playing with the addition of Ronnie Mauricio over the last week? I'm 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 watching this. I'm, I'm believe me. I'm watching. I'm always watching the last out. I have to say, I like what the, what I'm seeing in these in these young players. They're 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 finally they're finally putting them in the lineup and finally finally letting them see what what they got. I mean, uh, they finally called up Ronnie Mauricio. It's about time. And uh, I'm he, so far he so far he. So far, he's looking great. Hopefully, he can keep. Hopefully, he can keep this up into next year. But, like I said, next year is going to be the big, the, the big test. That the, those first couple of weeks of the season, when we see these guys actually playing, when they're uh, actually trying to play for something. Yeah, exactly. And you know, they had. Uh, I'm sorry. What were you going to say? But I'm liking that they're finally giving these guys a chance to get their feet wet. No doubt about it, man. And that's the key word, especially with Mauricio, too, is getting their feet wet. You know, that's why I thought it was imperative to get Mauricio up, you know, at least a few weeks earlier than the Mets did it. But at least they gave him a full month. You know, they called him up on September 1st, pretty much was his debut. And, uh, you know, so so he's going to get a full month in the bigs uh, just to get his feet wet, like you said. And I think that's that's exactly what the kid needs, you know. he was he was not one of the guys that came up at the end of last year like Vientos, like Beatty, and like Alvarez did. Um, but you know now he gets his crack at it this year. You know, and uh, speaking of Alvarez too, Alvarez had a very interesting day yesterday. If you saw, he hit a bomb of a three-run home run. Uh, he had a big double, and he also stole a base. So Francisco Alvarez actually became the the Mets' first rookie to homer double and steal a base in the same game since Daryl Strawberry in 1983. Uh, so almost 40 years, just about about a week short of 40 years since the last Met rookie did that. So, you know, when you look at Alvarez's stats, I mean, the batting average isn't going to blow you away. But in about 100 games this year, the guys hit 23 home runs and driven in over 50 runs. So I'd say I think the Mets got a you know, we got a pretty good look at this kid this year, and I like what we see. I think that this is only the tip of the iceberg for uh, Francisco Alvarez. Yeah, exactly. I feel, I feel like Al- Alvarez is already tip the tip of the iceberg. I think we've already got got established next year. We already know who our catcher is going to be next year. I feel maybe that we might have might might have one heck of a nice little 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 youngin field there that's a nice little young athletic infield there and uh, that we haven't had we've haven't had this kind of an infield in years so i'm i'm excited about this yeah yeah i totally agree man there's all the pieces there to have a uh, really good really young core that they have and you know what though you mentioned the infield and two pieces that uh the mets have had in the infield for the last couple of years has been Francisco Lindor and uh, Pete Alonso. And both of those guys are playing really well, you know. Um, I heard some stories with Lindor that, you know, if you noticed, Lindor doesn't have the uh, crazy hair anymore. He doesn't, he's, he's not doing all these flashy things and everything. Apparently, Francisco Lindor had a, a talk with his father when he started off this year, you know, like him and Pete really didn't start the year off good at all. And that was a big reason for the Mets struggling. I think a really big chunk of why the Mets struggled earlier this year was, you know, the up and down nature of uh, Verlander and Scherzer, although they were the least of the Mets' worries, in my opinion. Uh, the bigger factors was um, uh, Tyler McGill and David Peterson and Carlos Carrasco all being terrible and not getting the best out of Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso early on. Now, both those guys have really turned it on. And like I was saying about Lindor, apparently he had a, a conversation with his father where his father was pretty much just like, hey, just go back to playing baseball. Don't try to be, you know, 
this flashy New York shortstop Francisco Lindor be the guy that you were in Cleveland. You know, get a, a get get your hair cut. Enough of this this colored hair nonsense. You know, so apparently his dad kind of said, just go back to the basics, and that's what Lindor has done over the last month or two, and the results are there, man. But Francisco Lindor right now is on pace to have a 30-30 season for the Mets, something that they haven't done since ha- the days of Howard Johnson and Daryl Strawberry. Um, so to to get that production out of him with his bad start, that's a huge plus, right, Dan? Yep. I, actually, correction. I think the last time a Met had a 30-30 season was uh, David Wright in 2000, uh, 2007. Yes, you're right. You're right. That's a good point. That's a good point. But, I mean, you're right. And to, to think that since the days of Hojo and Straw, it's only been done one time. And that just goes to show, I mean, look, it takes a certain type of player, a certain dynamic type of player to put together a season like that. You know, people have been wowing, and rightfully so, at the fact that Ronald Acuna became the first player to have a 30-60 season. Now, you know, I guess you could kind of keep ramping it up as much as you want, but 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases, that's a, that's a phenomenal feat. And But, hey, 30 home runs and 30 stolen bases is a phenomenal feat too. So Francisco Lindor going out there, providing the defense he has. And, boy, I don't know if you saw the other night. Um, I believe it was against uh, Seattle. And Julio Rodriguez hit an absolute shot right at – Francisco Lindor, I believe it was like 108 miles an hour. And Lindor corralled that in with no problem and flipped it up. I mean, he he acted like the, you know, the Ozzie Smith, the pro's pro of being shortstop. And, uh, you know, I've always really enjoyed watching Lindor play defense. But I feel like over the last couple of weeks, along with his offense, he's taken every part of his game to the next level. And I know a lot of people are going to say that it's garbage time for the Mets. There's no pressure. Nobody's here. Yeah, okay, that's true. It's true. They traded away the guys, and they're not really playing for anything, even though they're seven games out of a wild card spot right now still. You know, I understand they're probably not going to make it. But, hey, they're still alive technically. But, uh, I mean, hey, it's great to see this at a Lindor Um, either way, right, Dan? I mean, the fact that our – among the highest paid players we have and the guy we were and one of the guys that we rely on the most is producing is a good thing right i mean i can't sit here and act like it's a bad thing that even though the mets are out of it right now that he's coming alive you want to see him produce and then carry it over to next year yeah exactly hopefully he can carry this he can carry this into next year it's gonna go back yeah yeah i'm hoping we do the right thing with the with the pitching and listen we got we don't need to be obsessed with, you know, losing a draft pick here, all right? Let's face it, the best pitchers usually are the ones that are in their first free agent contract, right? We, 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 we've had enough of these. The, the second contract usually isn't always the good, the good, usually is always the big question mark. Yeah, we need to go after the, the top shelf pitching here. That's. I feel that's going to be the big difference between us having a season we hope to have next year and not is the pitching. And while we're at it, maybe some some bullpen help here. <laughs> yeah, they definitely need bullpen help, no doubt about that. Uh, and the pitching, man, it it always comes down to you know. Look, let's look back at the 2015 team. That pitching was built from the ground up with, you know, aside from uh, from Noah Syndergaard and, and Bartolo Colon, you know, um, you had Matt Harvey, Jacob deGrom, um, Stephen Matz coming in. Obviously, uh, Syndergaard played a big role, and even though he wasn't drafted by the Mets, he was developed by the Mets. So, I mean, you had the core of that rotation was all homegrown guys, like you mentioned earlier on their first contracts and Hey, the Mets got to get back to that. And the, that was my, that was one of my big criticisms of the, the uh, prospect hall, I guess, if you want to call it that, uh, that the Mets got back for trading Scherzer Verlander and the others um, because they didn't get any pitching back aside from 
guys that don't have much upside. And um, so while I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about some of the guys the Mets got back, like you mentioned, Dan, pitching is what's going to have the Mets back in the promised land. And the promised land is the playoffs and then the World Series. So, you know, hey, we, we got a lot to figure out until then. And, um, you know, let's just keep our fingers crossed that Billy Epler, Steve Cohen, and whoever they bring in, David Stearns, whoever it is, um, get the Mets in the right path because, you know, they have a good core. They just got to find a way to, to, to round this roster out. And but yeah, but yeah. They they need they need to go after the, the, the and also really much season left but I just feel that Edwin Diaz needs to get over that that hurdle that to get that just to get that feet wet again uh, in a in a big league mound because I just don't want to see Edwin Diaz going to his going to spring training not having not pitched in a game at all since since last year. Oh yeah, and I do agree with you, but one thing I'd also say is you know, I saw them pitching uh, or I saw him having a bullpen session the other day. He said he was thrown between 93 and 95 and I thought that was great. I just hope that they don't rush him because if he has um, you know, a an injury again, man, that's going to be a nightmare. So I, I just hope that, you know, they, they don't push him too much. If his body, you know, it, it is ready for him to come back in a couple of weeks near the end of the season, okay, that's cool. If not, you know what, maybe they'll go out and, and have him throw a little winter ball, you know, just to, to, get, to get that arm right again for, uh, for um, spring training next year. But, yeah, no, I agree with you, though. I, I would love to see him out there. I just worry about him re-injuring himself, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Also, I gotta say, I think about Edwin Diaz. What I think helps goes in his favor that his arm wasn't injured. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very true. That that that's definitely uh, a big thing he has in his favor too. You're right. It's not like he's coming off Tommy John. It's uh, you know, it, it was whatever a, a leg or a knee injury, but you know, for for a pitcher. Especially a guy like him that that throws a hundred miles an hour, you know the his big powerful legs and those knees are a big part of his game. So uh, I just hope that the Mets are doing the right thing, and they and I expect them to. I expect them to. <clears throat> uh, but before we move on from baseball, Dan, uh, I I did want to um, point out that you know we, we were talking about the Mets and the little bit of a roster shakeup, bringing up guys. Uh, the team right across town, the Yankees, did the same thing, and they're getting some pretty decent results. I'm actually starting to see some insane Yankee fans think that uh, the Yankees might end up going on a run to uh, make the playoffs, which, you know, I, I guess that that would be fun to see, especially for these Yankee fans who have been waiting for it all year. Um, but, uh, you know, hey, the uh, Yankees have, you know, went down. They swept the Astros in uh, in Houston. Uh, the kid Jason Dominguez looks pretty good. Austin Wells looks pretty good. Um, the the kids seem to have invigorated the clubhouse a little bit. You had you heard a couple of the uh, um, the vets like Giancarlo Stanton and Judge talking about how you know it seems like these the these kids are just so you know full of piss and vinegar really where they're just inspiring the rest of the team to pick up their play a little bit and play with a little bit more of that, that love and passion of the game that maybe the Yankees had back in 2017 when they had a, 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 a younger, higher ceiling team. But, you know, maybe they lost that a little bit over the last couple of years, especially with some of the guys they imported, like uh, Josh Donaldson and uh, other, you know, others like him. So, um, you know, that's a, uh, Something that the Yankees have to keep in mind right right now. They're they're winning four to one in Detroit, uh, so they're they're looking to keep that that winning streak going. But you know, what do you think, Dan? It's a it's good to see, even though both New York teams are pretty much out of it and playing meaningless games. It's good to see these young kids coming up and making an impact, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've seen both teams. I just I just feel there's going to be we're we're going to be seeing a situation hopefully where. Uh, both teams are going to be playoff contenders next year. 
Yeah, no doubt about it, man. And I just looked at the Yankee box score real quick, too. And believe it or not, Jason Dominguez has hit another home run for the Yankees. So, man, just think about it. I mean, it's funny to me because Ronnie Mauricio ripped it up in AAA all year. And I would still hear people saying, oh, well, you know, don't trust the numbers. Let him get more games under his belt. And I, I understood that. I understood that. You want him to be a well-rounded prospect and get as many at-bats as he needs at the AAA level. Um, but, man, when you look at that and how he's come up to the major leagues and has hit the ground running, you say, wow, maybe the Mets did the right thing. But then you look across town at uh, the Yankees who brought up Jason Dominguez. Now, now let's get this out of the way. Jason Dominguez was having a pretty decent year in double A. Then about two weeks ago, the Yankees promoted him to triple A for the first time where he played eight games. He hit 444 and drove in 10 runs. He didn't hit a home run, but he saved those home runs for the majors because now in his first week in the majors, he's got three home runs. He's hitting 300 and he looks fantastic. I mean, it, it's just so funny how these things work out sometimes, you know? I just feel like it was a it's about time that the Mets maybe should have called him up earlier. I mean, he, I feel like he was doing everything you could possibly do already, and like he had already shown he could handle Triple A pitching, and I just felt like at the time he needed to be brought up and get acclimated to Major League pitching. It was like the oh, only yeah, way no, we really, could really know what we got is him face yeah. actually pitching and it was just wasting talent the down there in the triple a it looked like yeah well i mean what about dominguez like we were just talking about too making the jump from double a yeah i think that may have been a spot on the on the on i mean on the yankees part. i mean if you get i mean you get i feel like he's already shown enough facing double a pitching i feel like i feel like double a you're facing you're facing players on the up and up uh, the the AAA it's mostly a lot of like players bouncing back and forth sometimes you're facing pitchers that are bouncing back and forth so it's like you really it was at the time of, like really in the big leagues where you really knew what you got yeah yeah it's very true man it's very true so fun things going on in new york uh, on the baseball side, even though the teams are out of it, we could still have a good time. There's always a uh, there's always time for baseball in New York, but the scene is about to be split a little bit because tomorrow night or tonight, if you're watching this on the, the day that this episode debuts on YouTube and across our podcast networks, um, it'll be the NFL season debuting upon us as the Chiefs. And the Lions open up things tomorrow. So we are going to give our NFL 2023 picks. Uh, this is going to be fun, Dan. I, I don't. I, I guess because we didn't really expect much last year. We didn't do our pick segment for the NFL last year. But we're going balls to the wall this year. And we're saying, uh, you know, the Giants are going to be good. The Jets are going to be good. So let's jump right in. And we're going to kick things off then with um, uh, the NFC East. So take it away, Dan. You got the Giants and I got the Eagles. Tell me why the Giants are going to win the division. I just feel like the Giants have been – I feel like during this offseason, after facing a – they were facing a tough team. <clears throat> I feel like the Eagles have been the, the, the team that's been like their kryptonite. And I just feel like they're pumped to just finally beat these guys. And I just feel like, though, it's going to be a nail-biter that's going to go, could go down to the last week of the season. Against the Eagles. Yeah. I just no doubt about it. Going to barely edge out the Eagles and that and that, that last week of the season, it's, it's going to be a dogfight for the division. Oh, you're absolutely right about that, man. And like you said, it's definitely going to come down to the end of the year because two of the last three games the Giants and Eagles play are against each other. So they're definitely going to be ready for those final uh, two out of three. Um, 
you know, it could be for the division championship between these two teams. You never know, especially the way the Giants played last year. I think that the Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles are are all going to be in the mix. But for me, the Eagles are just such a loaded team. Um, you know, to me, I could make the case that the Eagles are uh, in, in better position to have a better regular season, at least, than the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, you could make the case that the Eagles are the best regular season team on paper this year. Um, you know, they're a uh, well-coached team. They have they just paid their, their QB hurts. Um, they got probably the deepest D-line in the league. Um, their defense is smothering, as the Giants found out in, in the playoffs last year. I, I'll tell you this, though. I think this is uh, the year the Giants do grab a game from them in, in the regular season. It's been a couple of years since then. I think the Giants are going to beat them at least once this year, but I do expect the Eagles to, um, for some reason for me, I see the Eagles being like 13 and four or 14 and three. And I see the giants being like 10 and seven or 11 and six. So, um, I, I think the giants are going to be in it all year, but I think the Eagles are just going to be a little bit better. Of course I can tell you one thing. Normally Christmas could be a little peaceful, this is now going to turn into a bloodbath on Christmas. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it, man. This is like, you know, sibling rivalry type stuff. And, you know, just uh, that that deep, uh, bad blood between these two teams. And you know it's going to come to a head. I mean, especially, like, let's just say that when we go into that Christmas game, that the Giants and Eagles are tied or separated by a game in the standings. Oh, oh man. That those are going to be games to watch, no doubt about it. Yep, <laughs> exactly. And I, I can tell you, I, I don't mind a montage of me celebrating the Giants beating the Eagles on Christmas Day, and have <laughs> that song by Trent Siberian Orchestra in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it already. Yeah, which I which I forget that they even exist. Trans Siberian Orgaza even exists all year long. <laughs> you're hearing them is on Christmas Day. Everybody, you know, everybody's clamoring for those tickets to see Trans Siberian Orchestra at the Nassau Mausoleum. Or, or <laughs> I think they do that concert at the UBS Arena now. I, I I forgot if they still do it at the Coliseum or they do it at the UBS Arena now. I think I think last year they did it at the. UBS yeah, I don't know, my my sister. I like, think they did. I I think they do it at both now, actually. Yeah, because I I remember it was one of those venues in Long Island my sister went to. She she freaking loves going to that concert every year. Apparently. <laughs> oh my god! All right, let's keep it moving along here. So we got the uh, NFC East. Dan took the Giants. I took the Eagles. We'll keep it moving on to the NFC North where Dan has the Vikings coming back out of it and um, winning uh, their uh, a at least their second consecutive division title. I'm not sure if they won the year before. Oh, no, the Packers did. Okay, so uh, two straight division titles Dan has for the Vikings, and I have the Lions coming up, winning the division for the first time since 1992. Yes, that's right, 1992, the uh, Barry Sanders-led Detroit Lions, that was the last time that they had a division winner. Um, you know, Dan, what, uh, what are your thoughts? Why do you think that the uh, the Vikings are, are going to stay on top of this division? I feel like they have some contender experience. I also feel like the NFC North might be a very weak division this year. Also, I got to say one thing, speak at a 1992 when you said about the last time the the – the Detroit Lions won the won a division. Won a division. That was also around a time when Crystal Pepsi was a was a big deal, and That's... and uh, Mark Wahlberg was looked at as a pop star back then. <laughs> That's a good point. That's definitely true, man. And yeah, uh... would have thought this guy that just that just showed up at some pop video in 1992 with a. With his freaking shirt off, hitting a hitting a punchy bag, was gonna become a big mega star in movies. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. 
That's true. The uh, the lead singer of Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch taking Hollywood by storm. Nobody would have thought so in 1992, but that became a reality just a few years later. You're absolutely right about that. And um, so, yeah, what? Uh, so, Dan, you, you are betting on that combination of uh, Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson keeping things together this year, right? Yeah, exactly. I just know. I just know one of one of my one of my Instagram Instagram peeps says speech impediment man might be happy about that prediction. <laughs> Shout out to speech impediment man. We got we, we got to get him on the show actually because uh, he's he's a big football fan and speech impediment man's a, a very funny guy, good guy. That guy that guy might be one of the biggest Vikings fans I know. <laughs> him and uh, Greg Giannotti from WFAN is also a big. Um, uh, Vikings fan as well. Yep, and I and I remember this this comedian. I used to see it a lot of. I used to see her in a lot of podcasts. I forgot her. I think her name was A Marie. I forgot her last name, but I I used to see her in a lot of comedy podcasts. She's also she's also a big Vikings fan. Yes, you're right, A Marie. I used to see her all the time around uh, uh, Compound Media. That's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I I think she still does with uh, some stuff with with uh, Chrissy Mayer too. So. Yeah, shout out to A. Marie too. She was always very funny and a, a, a very good Vikings fan too. You're right about that. Yep. And I, I have to say though, she's she's pretty tall in person. Is she really? I, I never met her. Yeah, yeah. She she's tall. Wow. Okay. Okay. And uh, yeah. So when we uh, will uh, uh, just real quick on the Lions, the reason why I'm picking the Lions too. I mean, look, um, it's a it's a hot pick. I, I, I understand I'm I'm not coming out of nowhere. A lot of people have picked the Lions this preseason. But I got to tell you, I'm a big fan of the Lions secondary. I think Aiden Hutchinson is one of the most underrated defensive players. I think, it you know, look, Sauce Gardner was a freak last year. Um, and, uh, you know, one defensive rookie of the year. Um, I think Aiden Hutchinson would have been in that mix um, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, the – that great class, but I mean, look, the, the guy was getting sacks, the guy was getting interceptions and turnovers and everything. Big fan of him, and big fan of Jared Goff too, man. I think the uh, the Lions are set up for a, a nice season. So, uh, shout out to the Lions, shout out to Detroit, and shout out to uh, probably our favorite Lion fan, Dave Landau. So yep. Dave Landau and his Lions will get that uh, division championship. Exactly. We can't we can't forget the. We can't forget Crispy Jones, the the <laughs> Mister Detroit himself, Dave Landau. I, I I cannot see any images or anything of Detroit without being reminded of our good friend Dave Landau. Absolutely, the king of Detroit. So, and if the the Lions have a hell of a year too, or at least get up to a good start, that's another guy we should get on is Dave Landau to talk about that because it'd be cool to talk to a uh, you know a real Lions fan about that. So. Sure. Um, very cool, very cool. So we'll keep it rolling along here, Dan. Uh, two divisions in the NFC down, two to go. We'll pick it back up with the NFC South as Dan takes the Carolina Panthers, led by new head coach Frank Reich and um, rookie quarterback, uh, whose name I forget at the moment, <laughs> C.J. Stout. Is that the one, or is he in uh, Texas? Either way. Uh, and I took the Saints. So, Dan, let me know, why did you take the uh, the Carolina Panthers? I don't know. I just feel it was kind of gonna. This was gonna. The NFC South was gonna be a so-so division. I feel like. For, for... No, I and and I agree with that, man. Because you you're definitely not wrong. The Falcons stink. The Buccaneers stink. Um, the the Panthers are so-so. But you know, though, the the reason why I took the Saints too is I think the Saints are flying under the radar. Um, they 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 have a pretty good team. I don't know about the defense. But I know that Derek Carr is going to be going there motivated. I mean, for a guy that was making big-time money and got cut by the um, the Vegas Raiders because things kind of fell apart there uh, between him and the head coach. And, they, and the, the Raiders now brought in Jimmy G. Uh, but I think that Derek Carr is going to fit in well in the Saints. I think it's going to – him playing indoors is, is going to help him out a lot. They have Chris Olave, who's a great wide receiver too. So I just like that combination there, and I I expect the uh, Saints, uh, the non-Sean Payton-led Saints, to to be a competitive force this year in the NFC South. And even though I do agree with you that um, 
But for the Panthers, though, I'm a big fan of Frank Reich as their head coach. So it would not surprise me if they had a surprising season, too. So uh, I do think that the top two teams in that division are probably the Saints and the Panthers. So uh, with that, we'll keep it moving along. And uh, a, a, a real easy one. I mean, a slam dunk. We don't even have to spend that much time on this one. But the NFC West, uh, you know, me and you both took the 49ers. The first time we've agreed, uh, you know, wholeheartedly on a, a division at, in the NFC. Um, so we both took the, the 49ers. Um, you know, aside from the, the obvious that we all know how uh, well coached it and deep this team is, you know, what are some of the reasons why you went with the 49ers to continue their dominance? I just feel like this team, just be, I feel like they keep progressing year, year after year. And I just feel like they just have that, that contender experience you need to win, to win a division. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, it, it, it could be just that simple, right? I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, the, they're well coached. They, they have, you know, for the most part, the same cast of characters here. Uh, they just gave Nick Bosa a, 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 the biggest defensive contract for a defensive player in, in the history of the NFL. So Bosa's back lock, stock, and barrel now. Um, you know, for the 49ers, the biggest question mark for them is are you going to get a repeat performance out of Brock Purdy? And can you keep Brock Purdy healthy? And I think the the answers for that are going to be yes, because no team makes it as easy for their quarterback as the um, the, the 49ers. They have a great offensive line. Uh, they have great offensive weapons all around them with Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, ton of other guys. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. Uh, the The easy money is the 49ers out west. And, uh, yeah, with that, let's keep it rolling. Head over to the AFC. We'll start in the East. As, once again, we, we agree on this one. The AFC East, Bobo is taking the Jets. I'm taking the Jets, too. Uh, Dan, what's your reasons? Oh, there we go. Okay, Dan, so what's your reasons for uh, taking the Jets here? Well, a couple of reasons. I just feel like. A lot of the players on this team, I feel like they're just ready to go to kick things up another level. Also, I feel the, the that veteran presence of Aaron Rodgers just elevates this team to that to that playoff contender level. Yeah, I agree, man. I mean, I think uh, a combination. You know, in in my heart, I feel like the Jets could go thirteen and four this year. I. To, to some people that, you know, I, I've seen the Jets as low as 7 and 10 this year. Some people saying that they're going to go 7 and 10 again. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, 13 and 4 might not be the height they could reach, maybe 11 and 6, maybe 12 and 5. But uh, I think they're going to be a good team. And I think it's going to be uh, coupled with the fact that the Miami Dolphins are way overrated. I cannot believe how overrated the Dolphins are. The Dolphins, uh, in, in some polls, are listed as a top-five team. Let's be honest. The Miami Dolphins are not even a top-ten team in the NFL. They're a decent team. They have some good pieces, no doubt about it. You know, I don't think they're going to go, you know, four and, uh, you know, 13. But they're, they're way overblown. I mean, people still – we've only seen a few games of Tua tagging Bola, even being a, um, you know – a good quarterback. I mean, and, and he's got to stay healthy too. So I think that the Dolphins are way overrated. I think the Bills are still a very good team, but I think they're more on their way down than on their way up. And, uh, you know, when you, you look at the Patriots, the Patriots are going to have a good defense, but uh, I'm not convinced the Patriots are going to be a, um, a playoff contender. So, yeah, I agree with you, man. I think that the uh, team that's going to come out, of the uh, the East is the Jets, and we were talking about it being since 1992 that the uh, the Detroit Lions hadn't won a, a division title. Well, it's a little bit closer, but the Jets haven't won one since 2002. So I guess two is the operative number with uh, these two teams as the uh, Jets now look to also get rid of one of the longest division um, 
you know, uh, winless streaks and also a 13-year playoff uh, drought. So a lot to put aside for the Jets if they're able to uh, to get rid of that. <clears throat> and uh, as we keep moving along here, let's hit the uh, the NFC North as Dan, you take the Bengals, and I totally understand that because the Bengals have been dominant there since Joe Burrow came on the scene. And I curiously took the Pittsburgh Steelers, who a lot of people are down on right now. So, Dan, before I, I, I give my reasoning on the Steelers, why did you take the Bengals? I just feel like the Bengals have had – they seem to have stability in their coaching and their uh, – and, 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 team, and team-wise, I feel like. I feel like the Steelers just in this division just feel like maybe that they might be they might be close, but they're they're still like little finding themselves. They're in like that couple of years, you know, that post Roethlisberger, that post every year they were contenders kind of thing right now. Oh yeah, and I totally totally understand that. I mean, to be honest, I'm sure a lot of other people would have even picked the Baltimore Ravens be you know before going to the Steelers. Now, I still think the Bengals are going to be a very good team. I think uh, the Bengals are going to make the playoffs, and it would not surprise me at all to see the Bengals back in the AFC Championship game again this year, even if they don't win the division. But for some reason, man, I don't know why. I just have a feeling with the Steelers, and a lot of times I would ignore that feeling, but there's a couple of things that lead me to say, you know what, maybe this feeling – isn't all that crazy because first off you have to look at three factors, the head coach, the quarterback and the defense and the head coach. I like the head coach. Mike Tomlin's a hell of a head coach. He always has the Steelers in the mix. He's never finished under 500 or I think, or that far under 500. I, I it's, it's close. He's always got his team right there, even if they start off bad. And um, you know, Hey, I, 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 I like their defense, too. They have a great defense. I think a lot of people underrate and forget about the Steelers' defense. And another thing, too, is that Kenny Pickett, you know, Kenny Pickett, I saw his NFL debut last year against the Jets, and he didn't look too good. But by the end of the season, Kenny Pickett took a couple of steps forward and looked like a much more serviceable quarterback. And not to mention, I liked what I saw from him in the preseason this year, too. He looked like an even more polished quarterback than he did at the end of last year. So. Um, those are my reasons, the defense, the coach, and uh, the young game-managing uh, game managing quarterback. So that's my reason for taking the Steelers. I understand I'm going out on a limb. It would not surprise me at all if I'm wrong, but I that's my little uh, nod to um, Mike Tomlin. <laughs> and uh, as we uh, keep it rolling along here, we'll head to the, NF- the AFC South. As Dan, you took the hot pick, the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence and um, Doug Peterson down there leading the charge. And I took the Tennessee Titans, a little more older, and um, uh, what a lot of people would consider on the downside uh, of the the AFC South. Uh, Before I I move on, Dan, what's your reason for taking the Jaguars? I just feel like there there was just a... A young team. I just feel like the team, the team has, has seemed to have a real, real explosive quarterback. Finally, they're. I feel they're on the up and up to having at least a couple of years of uh, being uh, being contenders. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think you're right, man. Um, you know the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars are definitely one of those teams on the rise. You know we were talking about that with the. Uh, the Detroit Lions earlier. Um, and, you know, we're going to talk about it right now with the Jaguars, too. I mean, when you look at all the young talent they have, uh, Trevor Lawrence, you know, um, and not to mention, too, don't forget they brought in, um, uh, what's it called, um, Calvin Ridley, too, who's looked fantastic. Uh, I, so I, I think there's a, a really good shot that the Jacksonville Jaguars are a hell of a team this year. Um, you know, the, especially with Doug Peterson, too. A lot of people forget about Doug Peterson. He's the guy that won a Super Bowl with Nick Foles in Philadelphia beating the Patriots. So, you know, he's got to be a pretty decent coach 
to uh, to get those results. And to end up in, in Jacksonville with the number one pick in the draft, getting Trevor Lawrence, I think we've seen what Doug Peterson can do. And he's, he's turned that team around. Uh, now for the, the, the Titans, the, look, I'm a big fan of, uh, of uh, Coach Vrabel. I'm a big uh, fan of Derrick Henry. Uh, I, I think they still have some pieces. I'm not a big fan of that division. And I just think that the, the coaching um, of, uh, of Mike Vrabel is going to be the thing that um, leads the Tennessee Titans to the division championship. It's going to be close. It's going to be hard fought. Um, you know, might be a nine or 10 win division winner, but I think that's what we're going to get. And um, yeah, so the, uh, the Tennessee Titans are my pick. Dan went with the Jaguars, understandable on both sides. Um, to keep it going, uh, we'll head over to the AFC West. And that's another slam dunk one right now too. We both took the chiefs. Dan, what do you like about the Chiefs? I just feel the Chiefs are a team that's playing that's playing on another level. They're 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 like they're it's shades of the Tom Brady era Patriots. They've had years of not being bad teams, and all of a sudden, how found a way, whatever their system, whatever they've been able to develop great players and. They just and let's face it, they got maybe and I feel in this era might be one of the elite quarterbacks of this era in Patrick Mahomes. So this team is going to here. Oh yeah, I mean, you could make the case that Patrick Mahomes, you know, is already on his way to Canton, uh, as he's the only quarterback right now that's active with more than one Super Bowl victory. Um, so you know, this is a a stacked team, you know, they have a, a, a hell of a defense. They have the the amazing combination of Travis Kelsey, who's a little banged up right now, but should be okay. And, uh, you know, obviously Mahomes, uh, they, they got to bring Chris Jones back in. And that situation is starting to get a little iffy. So you got to hope that they work that out because the defensive line of the Chiefs completely changes when Chris Jones is on that. But, yeah, I, I totally agree, man. I think um, – uh, the you know, it look, it's stupid to pick against the Chiefs. Uh, Denver, I'm not really a big fan of uh, of that team. I think Sean Payton's a, a good coach, but I don't know how much he could get out of Russell Wilson. Um, if Russell Wilson's washed, like a lot of people think he is, you know, the Raiders, I, th- I think the Raiders will be a little bit better, uh, than people think, but you know, who knows that that season could be over by November 1st. And, uh, you know, hey, it's uh, the uh, the Chargers fly under the radar, too. A lot of people forget about them, but they're, they're going to be in the mix, too. But the, I think the Chiefs have plenty to hold them off. And uh, be, before we wrap this segment, Dan, we got our Super Bowl picks. That's right. It's September, and we're talking Super Bowl. And just to prove that me and you are the two biggest homers of all time, <laughs> let's take a look at our uh, at our Super Bowl picks. As Dan, Bobo's Super Bowl is the Giants and the Chiefs. Uh, Giants coming out of the NFC, man. I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, obviously we'll see my pick in a minute. I picked the Jets, believe it or not. And um, the Giants' path, you could make a case that the Giants' path to the Super Bowl is easier to the Jets because the NFC is not nearly as stacked as the AFC is. So the Giants are going to have a, a slightly – you know, especially if who knows, maybe the the Eagles get knocked off early, and the Giants don't have to face the Eagles in the playoffs. Like, man, the the Giants could have a much easier path to the Super Bowl than the Jets could. Yeah, I just feel like the Giants feel like that. I feel like they're they're the sleeper pick, and I just feel like historically the Giants had their best seasons when they're just flying under the radar. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they come out of nowhere, and all of a sudden, I find myself uh, taking another trip to the Canyon of Heroes after football season. Exactly. Exactly. So why would you bet against your Giants? Uh, I totally get it. Giants-Chiefs, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty damn good Super Bowl, man. Now, on, on my side, I got the Jets and the 49ers. And, um, hey, you know, the 49ers have gotten to the Super Bowl, uh, what, at least two or three times over the last 10 years. 
and uh, they have not won one. And I expect that to be the same this year. Jets beating the 49ers. And let's just go with, with what the magician that the Jets brought in in the first episode of Hard Knocks said. Jets 31, 49ers 21. Let's go. First Super Bowl since January 69. Now that uh, I, I have spoken that into existence, let's keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> tell you is that if what you've been hoping for it to happen for years become, becomes a reality, are we going to have to check your pulse to make sure you didn't have a heart attack in shock? Yeah, pretty much. And and not to mention, Dan, you, you're going to have to track me down with a straitjacket because <laughs> I'm going to be losing my mind. Yeah, yeah. That, if, if that even looks like it's on the first step of happening, I might have to show up in your wherever you're watching that Super Bowl with the defibrillator in case... <laughs> case you end up in such a big state of shock. You're absolutely right about that. I would definitely need as much medical attention as I could possibly get because I'm going to be out of my mind if uh, if that does come to fruition. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. The 2023 picks for the Best Seat in the House podcast. We put it all out on the table. And either way, Dan, it's going to be a, a hell of a fun season. Oh yeah, I forgot to tell you a little fact about me, about 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 me, about me, Kramer. Yeah. I actually have been a CPR certified for quite a while, ever since high school. Because in, 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 in one of, in one of my classes, they made us take the course, so I've 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 re i re that cert certification over the years. So I I just to let you know, I do know CPR in case it's needed. Very cool, very cool. I'm going to have to have you with me wherever I am if the Jets actually do make the Super Bowl. Because <laughs> then you, you can save my life. <laughs> Just letting you know, I do I do, I do, do know if I do know that. So, I appreciate it, buddy. <laughs> how many people know about? Exactly, exactly. It's always, it's always good to know somebody with CPR uh, knowledge. No doubt about that, man. And, uh, yeah, I think with that, we're just about going to be winding it down right now as we're getting ready for uh, week one of the NFL season to commence. Dan, before we get out of here, have any plugs for yourself? Uh, yeah, yeah, of course, my plugs. You can follow me on, uh, I guess, I guess I guess everybody's calling it X now, so I guess it's on X, uh, Bobo103NYC, Instagram, Bobo718DK, and Daniel Curlin on YouTube, got it. Got to re-up, film, film some, film some sketches, of course. Go, and, uh, and of course, of course, you could, you could follow. You could also, you see me make appearances on various podcasts all over the place. In addition to, of course, here, of course. Absolutely, man. So keep your eyes open for for Dan. He's always doing something. As a matter of fact, if and, you're if you're a fan of Eastside Dave, go to his Patreon and subscribe because there is some hilarious content. From the most recent episode, which, by the way, we put a link to on our last episode. So if you want to see Bobo on the last episode of the Davey Mac Sports Program, you can check that out. But on Dave's Patreon, there is some great content of Bobo and Big A and Dave in the car. And it's it's worth the uh, couple of dollars if you want to subscribe to Dave's Patreon. Right, Dan? Yeah, exactly. And it was really interesting living it, let alone you. <laughs> Just seeing what person it it was it just it, it just saw some aspect of Dave that I never never expected I'd see. <laughs> Very funny stuff. So do yourself a favor and check that out. Check out the latest episode of the Davy Max Sports program as well. Where by the way, Dave gave me a little shout out there at the end too, which was very nice too. And I echo the sentiments. Eastside Dave, I'm a gigantic fan. Of Eastside Dave, so thank you uh, for the the kind words too, Dave. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, exactly. I saw you. I saw when they were reading some stuff in the comments that was it was kind of evidence that you were actually watching that episode live as I was there. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I always like to to watch Eastside Dave, especially when you're on. So I mean, come on, I got to support my guy right there. Come on. So. Uh, <laughs> One of these days, I gotta bring you to one of those to one of those uh, Baby Max Sports Program tapings. I would absolutely love that. Definitely, definitely one time. Hey, the next time, 
Dave has, uh, uh, you know, uh, an extra spot on the show, I'd love to hop on because uh, one of the greatest sports shows out there is Davey Mac Sports Program. So shout out to Dave, shout out to Big A, shout out to Roy, shout out to all the boys over there, Bobby Tamburo. Uh, so uh, once again, thanks for the shout out, guys. And thanks for Bobby for reading my comments, like Dan said, too. So very cool stuff, very cool. And uh, yeah, so with that, too, uh, that's just, just about going to do it for us today. Don't forget to check us out on uh, Twitter or X, as Dan said, whatever you want to call it these days, uh, at bsith underscore podcast. You can check me out on there, at my last name, Kramer, NY. And don't forget, we're also on um, uh, Instagram, Best Seat in the House Podcast. And if we've earned it, give us a like and a subscribe on uh, YouTube and Rumble as well. So once again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in here for Episode 79 of the Best Seat in the House podcast. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kramer. This is my co-host, Daniel Bobo Curlin, and we'll catch you next week, everybody.